0: Hello and welcome to the Seer podcast. Here we believe that freedom is stripping the subconscious boundaries of ourselves to allow our roots to grow. The deeper our roots are, the higher we can reach. We explore a bunch of different topics around mind, body and soul, all of which have the foundation to cultivate freedom into the ears of those that listen sit back, relax, make a nice beverage. You are here, home, and enjoy. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to today's episode, Emotional Power. For those returning, welcome back. And for anybody new, Huge heartfelt hello. Today's episode comes from my heart. I have had a couple of reminders recently of how emotions and stories can get the better of us. This episode is all about the power of emotions. I will talk about some statistics, facts, and then provide you with the tools that you can start implementing from today. A quote that I love is, and it's so relevant to today's episode, your body is a living library that stores everything you've been through. So before we get into all that juicy stuff, let's start with my story. I had a non-existent relationship with my biological father from the time I was 12 until I was about 19. In that time, I was attached to my story of abandonment and the role that I cast myself as, which was the victim, or subconsciously, of course. I could not forgive my father for letting us kids go and not making an effort to build a relationship nor for some of the things that I had experienced and witnessed when I was in his care. This story affected me for more than 10 years. I had this story that a relationship with a man was more like a business deal. And in order to keep one, I had to do more, be more and earn my worth. I also placed this unrealistic expectation on my father when I finally met up to him when I was 19. The expectation that he would take this hurt away by acting like X, Y, and Z. Or this expectation that he would decide to become this idea of a father that I had created and that I was counting on. And somehow, finally, when he did all of these things, he would give me back my self worth. For 10 years, I emotionally had this pent-up anger and aggression that would usually appear as a reactive personality to others or, more commonly, in the form of self-sabotaging myself when something went wrong with men or sometimes in general. I would have this emotional flooding. Now, emotional flooding is where you are flooded with images or emotions that are similar to the story that you are holding on to. So for me, it was similar to the story that I had held from my father. This emotional flooding takes over your logical brain and you are either in a daydream type of state, definitely in your head, just snowballing these vivid stories, or you just see red. Besides acknowledging that stored emotions can actually make you sick, I was unaware that these stories were actually defining me as a person. These stories that I had created had replayed so much in my mind that they had ingrained in me as a belief. And as you adopt these beliefs, that come from these stories. It's not just one part of the world that you're looking at through this belief system, it's everything. If it shows up in one place, it's going to show up everywhere else. I believe that you cannot heal a world that you cannot see. And I also believe that storytelling is a powerful tool to use to acknowledge where the roots are coming from. So for me, I didn't start with the abandonment issues or the self-worth. I didn't just rock up one day and go, Hey, we're going to go here. That's, that was the roots. I just started with habits and thoughts that I noticed in my everyday and then dug a little bit deeper and monitored them for a longer period of time to see where the patterns were. And once I started finding out these patterns, that led me to understanding more about my behavior, which then allowed me to go deeper and ask why. Why do I believe this? Where did that come from? Why do I do things this way? Jumping into statistics. The reason I think this is so important to speak about the power of our emotions is because of the physical implications that stored emotions can have. And I'm going to go through three examples with statistics attached. So I'm just putting in a trigger warning here that some of these statistics, if you have any woundings, could be a little bit of a trigger. So the physical implications stored emotions can have, uh, one, whether that be that you see red or lose control of your actions, that emotional flooding that I just spoke about, can relate to this statistic. In Australia, in 2021, more than one in two recorded assaults were related to family and domestic violence and almost two in five murders were related to domestic violence. That statistic is hard for me to even understand when you say that one in two recorded assaults were related to family and domestic violence, so more than half. And it's so hard for me to comprehend because if you think about when two people come together and there's love in their relationship, or at least mutual respect, that sometimes, I'm not saying all of these cases are relating to this, but sometimes what can happen is as you go about, you know, the years being together and you just keep building up these pent up emotions in your body, it's almost like you're shaking up a Coke bottle. You're shaking it, you're shaking it and maybe one minor thing has happened and then you release. Moving on to number two, whether you are so micro-focused on your feelings and what I mean by micro-focused is that that is all that's zoomed in on your head, that's all the stories that are playing over and over and over are those yucky feelings, maybe you're feeling hopeless, Lack of self-worth, not good enough, sad. Sometimes people believe that the only way out is to end their life. And tragically, there are roughly around 350 suicides every year in Australia. 350 lives that each year find it too overwhelming. Find it too much. The third and final example with statistics is the way that trauma is passed down to the next generation. Science has proven that trauma is passed down in your genes from your ancestors, and this affects how your genes are expressed. I say this. The study that I looked into so many times, I just find it really interesting. So there's a study of mice. And in this study of mice, they gave these poor mice electrotherapy, if that's what you'd call it. Um, So what they would do is they would put these berries out. And every time the mice would go towards these red berries, they would shock them with... Uh, basically electrocute them, give them a little zap. And they did this over and over that, you know, the mice decided that red berries is dangerous. It's not for them. They never touched the red berries. What they found out by accident was the children and the grandchildren of these mice that they experimented on ended up having an unexplainable fear of red berries. They never did this process with them. They never took them through that journey. But the offspring of these mice that had the electric therapy ended up having this scary feeling towards red berries. It was just not good for their survival. And this is so important to understand not just our genetic makeup and appreciating that once we go through and we start to work through and uncover some of our things that we're carrying but also to go back a couple of generations when you're doing the why and you're trying to work out why you believe something but also how we're passing it on to our kids. So having a daughter for me has created such a sense of urgency on my self-development with that last point. So now more than ever self-development is needed and learning the power of emotions and having tools to help is so so needed in the world I think uh, especially after coming out of a pandemic knowing that a common time frame if you talk about getting over trauma or getting over an event is usually the amount of time that you were in that the amount of time that that happened is the same amount of time it's going to take you to get out of it right so if we were to look at just what's happened recently with pandemics in the world and that being, you know, two years of lockdowns and things, it's still going to take us two years to heal from all of us being in survival mode, from our safety being affected. Moving on. I am now going to take you through some facts. In order to see our world, to begin to implement changes, it's good to have a deeper understanding, a diff- deeper knowledge base, and that's what I intend to do with these three points. After that last section, I just want to take a collective deep breath in through our nose, out through our mouth, And again, in through our nose, out through our mouth, beautiful, releasing any of those emotions from the last points. So I'm going to take you through three facts that can help with the awareness around how we work slash function. One is about your relevancy radar, right? Your relevancy radar. Basically, it is something that all of us humans have, whether you like it or not, we have it on the top of our head and it is always turned on. (laughs) Your relevancy radar is always looking out for something to prove that your beliefs are true, whether it's ineffective or effective. So whether it's working for you or against you, your relevancy radar is always turned on. So for example, if you have a belief about yourself, so... Using an example about me, um, one of the beliefs that I've had is I'm overweight, I'm obese and it's the first thing that somebody's going to notice about me. They're going to look at my clothes and they're going to think, oh my goodness, she shouldn't be wearing that or you know, just making nasty judgments. With that being my belief, every time someone looks at me in the shops or in a public place, I am instantly going to say in my mind, see, they just did it oh my goodness, they're thinking about that. Oh my goodness, they're looking at my tummy and arms and legs. Whether they are or not, <laughs> my radins, my relevancy radar is going to say, yep, that's right, that's what they were doing. It's just, you know, strengthening, ticking off your belief. Or if you were to look at the opposite, if I believed I look really good today and I am slaying this dress. I have my delicious curves. I look good. I feel good. I'm glowing. Then when people would look at me, it would just be a thought of, yeah, thought so. They're appreciating. Thank you. Thank you. Do you get what I mean? So understanding that your relevancy radar can help reshape how you see events or how you see the world or people's perspectives is going to really make you consider which thought are you believing. What do you want to believe? Do you want to believe that your relevancy radar is proving that you don't look good? Or do you want to believe that your relevancy radar is proving that you're amazing, you're a goddess, or a very macho man, if there's man- <laughs> listeners, I don't know, a man equivalent, But you get what I mean. That was number one. And number two is although your mind might stop thinking about something consciously, so remember you have your conscious and your subconscious thoughts. Your subconscious are the automatic pilot that you go into, and the conscious are things that you actively have to think about. So, although your mind might stop thinking about something consciously, your body will store the emotions of your thoughts. The way that we can confirm this is think of a school speech that you had to do. Think of how you felt physically, the way that your tummy was in knots, your hands were sweating. And then even after the speech was over, or now thinking back on that moment, can you still feel the butterflies in your tummy? You can still acknowledge the feelings in your body and even transferring that to an event that happened in your life, a significant event, maybe a person or a situation, you know, wasn't the best experience for you and the emotions that you felt during that time. If you were to think about that event again now, would those emotions still show up in your body? So this is where moving emotions out of our somatic body is so important once you have gone through or relived trauma. If you are repeating stories in your mind, or even if you have even felt big emotions in the day, emotions are literally energy emotion. So when you feel big emotions, the best idea is just to release them and let them run their course. So for example, if you have you know, a very stressful day at work, let's say, and you come home, if you have a stressful day at home and you come home and all you're doing is sitting at the dinner table and eating and then moving to the couch to watch TV and then going to bed, your body has been sedentary that whole time. So all that stored stress that you've had from your day is going to store into your body and build up for the next day. Or if we acknowledge that our emotions are just energy in motion, You can go through a release when you get home. Now, there's different ways to release your emotions. If you think of it like SEM, S-E-M, you know, cute little acronym, if I can say it. (laughs) But let's say you had a stressful day at work and you come home, there's three things that you could do. One of them is sound. Make a sound with your vocal cords, whether that's an um, or a humming, or even if it's singing, belting out tunes and just singing, that's one way to move this energy. The next one is through emotions. So allowing yourself to, whether it's have a huge laugh, belly laugh, laugh for 10 minutes at your timer, or if it is shedding a tear and crying it out, or even if it's raging, screaming in a pillow, screaming, that be a mixture between emotions and sound, but doing something like that. The last one is movement. Movement can be anything; it all depends on you honoring yourself and intuitively asking yourself, "What do I need in this moment? How do I need to shift this energy or emotions?" So one way could be doing exercise, going for a run, lifting heavy weights, boxing. Another one could be more slower movement, like yoga or Pilates or stretching, or something else might just be something rhythmic like rocking, whether you want to sway from side to side or rock or jump, whatever movement your body needs. So there are a couple of tips for you that when you do have some big emotions or energies, emotions in the day, let them go because they do store in your body. The third one This was such a trigger for me when I first found out, so little disclosure. (laughs) But the third one is your body's emotional response only lasts for roughly 40 seconds after something has happened. So if you think of something that's happened to you, something that's made you maybe angry or sad or even happy. Your body's emotional response is only in that autopilot for 40 seconds after the thing happened, roughly. So, if you were reliving emotions from 10 or more years ago, like I was, and you're still getting an emotional response, so if you're still thinking of an event from 10 years and it's still causing you to feel some type of way, this is actually you subconsciously choosing to hold on to it. I know, I know, it sucks, it's yuck, gross, gross fact. But it's also really empowering because if you know that after 40 seconds, if you're not allowing the emotions to leave your somatic body or you're not working through this, then you're just choosing to hold on to it. And the most empowering thing, knowing that you are choosing to hold on to something, is knowing that you have the power to open your hands and let it go. It's that simple. So next, let's move on to some tools. So everything that I told you just before is leading to this moment to give you and impart some of my tools onto you. I would never want to stir up something in you if I could not pass on the tools to help you cultivate freedom from it. It's not my intention. Don't want to create bad juju in your body. I want to tell you things to get your connection, to relate, just so when I pass on tools, you're like, got it, know exactly where I need to implement this. So the first one, is when you are feeling your big emotions or energy emotion, move and let it release. Just as we spoke about before with the SEM um, and and doing that somatic releases. So this could be punching the air or a bag, screaming in a pillow, swaying side to side while giving yourself a cuddle, placing your hands crossed on your chest and gently tapping your chest. That's great for anxiety. Stretching, whatever movement your body is feeling, when you're listening to your body, do that and allow the energy to be in motion and go through your vessel rather than be stored. Number two, if you are becoming overwhelmed with emotions over a part of your life, so similar to what I spoke about before of that micro focus, if you have just got one tiny section in your life that you keep replaying over and over, Consciously zoom out. And what I mean by this is if you were thinking of something that has happened, so let's say for example there's an embarrassing moment or maybe a decision that you've made that keeps replaying over and over in your head and makes you feel overwhelmed, zoom your perspective out. So let's say an embarrassing moment is replaying, zoom out to that whole year. Then zoom out and reflect to five years. Then zoom out and reflect to ten years. Then even imagine you being hundred. You know what? Zoom out to the existence of humans on the planet. Just bring that into your conscious mind, the time frame of existence of humans on this planet. So what zooming out does, is it will make the moment that you have magnified in your brain feel insignificant in the grand scheme of things. If you think about it on an iPhone, you know how you open your fingers to zoom in, the more that you're focusing on these stories, these micro levels of your life, your brain is zooming in, zooming in, zooming, in, and making it huge to fill up the screen, right? It's becoming so big that it's consuming your whole iPhone screen. If you just start to zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out till it becomes a speck, that's what we're doing with our brains. In the grand scheme of things, it's a speck. Does it lose its relevancy? Yes. Does it lose its impact? Yes. Can we move on from that story? Yes. The third one is to pivot your thoughts. So, as we discussed in the relevancy radar, consciously be aware of your thoughts and the stories your brain is telling you. Once you start to be consciously aware of what's running through your head, and you just do it as as if you're watching TV, you're just observing, you can then see that if a thought is not serving you, you can pivot your thoughts to the exact opposite of what you were thinking. For example, If you're thinking, oh, they did not pick me for a promotion because I'm not worth it, you can pivot it to I have so much opportunity to grow and learn in my current role. Or if you're thinking I am the victim of these shitty situations life has given me, pivot to I am the creator of my life and have the power to create what I would like. Pivoting your thoughts to the exact opposite will take a lot of your consciousness to start off with. But once you do it, it will end up becoming easier. It becomes a natural response. The fourth one, which is really important, is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness is for you, not the person, the perpetrator, the situation, not because someone did things to deserve it or earn it, but because you deserve it. You deserve to take your power back and not let the situational person have a hold on you anymore. The more that you give someone your power by not forgiving them and claiming it back, the more that you're going to be subjective to these replaying thoughts and emotions. So today I give you permission. If there is that place in your life that you know you need to forgive, I give you permission to offer forgiveness. The fifth and final one is breathwork and meditation. Obviously, as a breathwork and meditation practitioner, this is definitely going to be on the list. (laughs) But meditation is a great way to become more aware and more empowered with your thoughts. And then breathwork works to literally release the stored emotions from your cells. So both of these, if you do them together, will work to rewire your nervous system and your thought patterns, beliefs, behaviors. Three other incredible benefits are that breathwork and meditation help to focus and calm the mind. This allows the emotions to be released more easily. So you need the mind to calm down, to drop into your heart to actually release the emotions. Number two, breathwork and meditation help to increase awareness of the body and the emotions being felt, which allows for a more deliberate release of emotions. And number three, Breathwork and meditation can help you ground and provide a sense of stability, which can facilitate the release of emotions. So to release emotions, you do need to drop into your heart. You need to be in a safe space, somewhere that you feel stable and safe enough, supported. It doesn't have to be by another person. It could be just you giving yourself that space and knowing that you've got your back through this process. And that brings us to the conclusion of today's podcast. If you are wanting more guidance on releasing emotions through breathwork and meditation, I would love if you joined into my course, Restoration. Restoration is a guided program that firstly takes you through seven days of breathwork and meditation, kind of like a retreat from your own room, and then leaves you with the tools for you to continue on with that journey. I will also have guided breathwork meditations on this app that will be available through a monthly subscription. Just remember, guys, if you feel overwhelmed, always reach out. It is not weak to speak and there are so many people around you that love and support you and want you to be okay. I'm Estelle. This is the Sia Podcast and we'll see you next time.